This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper and Ben Anderson join me as they do every week. Ben is, I'll start with Ben. Hey! <laughs> pointed at me. I got worried. Uh, I'm not that bad. Ben is <laughs> that bad. Bad. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't either, pretty clearly. Uh, ben is a KSL.com contributor. Uh, knowledgeable basketball person is what we decided today. He yeah, knows some things. I agree. Uh, and Zach is at Talk Hoops on Twitter. Is also NBA featured columnist at FanRag Sports, which I learned today is based in Phoenix. And that's what Phoenix, I'm... Arizona. Ooh, that one. Ooh, yeah, the that, nice one. That the good Phoenix. <laughs> that's that's good to hear. Uh, we're very excited for this show today because we're we're kind of blowing it out and doing all jazz. Uh, Clippers preview. Yeah. You know, we, we want to look at every, uh, angle of the series that we can in, in two hours, kind of break down, you know, what, what players are involved, what are the advantages and dis- disadvantages, what are some of the, uh, intangible advantages and disadvantages of each team from coaching to fans to atmosphere to experience, those sort of things. And then we'll look at the on floor stuff too and, and figure out, you know, what matchups work well for, for the Jazz or for the Clippers. Um, it's going to be a really interesting series. Vegas odds have it being really close. And so we, we, I think every little thing probably matters during this, these next seven, four to seven games. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it is the best series, right? Like the, the Rockets Thunder series has the best narrative because it's Russ versus Harden. It right. will decide the MVP no matter who wins it. Um, but this series should be the best basketball we get in the first round. Agreed. Uh, so if you guys want to send us questions, you can on Twitter at Andy B. Larson is me at talk hoops is Zach at Ben K fan is Ben. Uh, or you can even call us if you're so inclined. Uh, 877-353-0700 is that number 877-353-0700. In fact, we already have a first question in. Let's just, let's just answer it. Yeah. Uh, Sam itches at hip Mr. Bully. I don't know that his name is really Sam itches, but you know, we'll, we'll, Give it to him. Sure, why not? Uh, are the Jazz flying home late Saturday night, then flying back Monday? In other words, are they flying back to Salt Lake City in between games one and game two? Uh, my understanding is that they are not. That I don't know if that has been finalized yet. They haven't set up a practice schedule yet, but the everything I was hearing yesterday says that they are leaning towards staying in L.A. for all between game one and game two, even though there is there is a couple-day break in between. That seems like an insane idea to fly back. If they were to make that decision, I get the idea of like, oh, you get to be in your own bed or whatever. Extra travel will just mess with the body no matter how yeah. close a flight, whatever, it's only one hour time zone different, whatever it is. Like, I just think that would be irrational. Yeah, and I mean, the Jazz have done that at times this year. There was that road trip earlier in the season where they had three days off in between games and they did fly home and come back. Uh, but this one is a, a, a little bit shorter and B, I, I just think it's more important, right? That's, it's just more important that that travel doesn't happen. And I also think at this point, people don't mind, at least coaches don't mind, managers don't mind players being all together all the time right, and yeah. saying that that's all where your focus is. You're not going to go home and see your kids. You're not going to go home and see your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. 
you're totally focused on being here right now because we've got practice, we've got to walk through Monday, they've got to do, you know, their biggest practice. I wouldn't want to be on a plane at that point. Right. So no, I would I would assume they stay, but I guess that's not a bad question. They could absolutely go home. It's not far. Yeah, they they could and they've they've thought about it and then they decided not to is basically yeah. where Yeah. I mean, I guess at. if there's an extra day, if there were 3 days like you said earlier right, in the season, right. then yeah, sure, I think you talk about it then, but at this point, I think you're right. Like be together. What's the whole Doc Rivers Celtics thing? Ubuntu. Yeah. That was the phrase like I think that's the whole idea is like we are in this together. It is nothing but us right now. We are going to take down the Clippers and we're going to figure it out. Maybe the league moved past Ubuntu and that's why the Clippers. Oh, too much Ubuntu. Yeah. That's... Now there's not enough. I I think that yeah exactly. Well now there's now I'm saying there's now too much in the league. Now Doc Rivers' message doesn't work. Oh. And the league has moved on and now you know individualism is the way to go. I'm so we're, the NBA is becoming AAU. Yes. <laughs> That'll be great. That's a, that's There's no way take. that backfires. <laughs> uh, all right. So in this segment, I wanted to do, first of all, I kind of wanted to look at the players in the series, right? And I thought kind of a clever slash somewhat interesting slash somewhat argumentative way of looking at this was to figure out who is the best player in the series, who is the second best player, who is the third best player, so on and so forth down the line, even all the way down to 20 players. Woo. Yeah, it's, it's optimistic. We'll see if we get to 20. Uh, and, you know, figure out, you know, who has, who has the talent advantage in this series? That's something, uh, Ben and I are looking at for our article on KSL.com sure. tomorrow is who, you know, what, how big is this talent advantage that the Clippers have or does it really exist at all? Uh, so let's, let's go ahead and get started. I say Chris Paul is the best player in the series. True or false? 100%. Probably take him the number one guy. Okay. Yeah. I say Rudy Gobert is the second best player in the series. Disagree. Okay. Bring it. I think it's Blake Griffin. Okay. Blake Griffin, not, and that's not a knock on Rudy Gobert by any means. Blake Griffin has an all-around game. He's a good enough defender. The way he pushes the ball and the way he can get out into transition really screws up matchups for opponents. I think you saw that against the Spurs two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen it plenty of times. Is is he's able because he's able to create for himself and others, and with the way the Clippers like to play, I think that gives him the slight edge over even this year's Rudy Gobert. I'm going to take Rudy. I'm going to go with Rudy number two because what he does defensively for the Jazz, he sets that up for the Jazz, and now his offense is coming around. He's getting 17 to 21 points a game, kind of whatever happens. He hits his free throws consistently enough. I'm going to go with Rudy in that situation. I don't think it's a huge gap either way. Right. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would also say that Rudy's been really bad against Clippers. That's true. That's, Even that's defensively. True. Yeah. Except for the one win that the Jazz had this season. Right. He, was, he was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I put Rudy Gobert number two, and I think for the reasons Ben said is, it's, you know, he's so good defensively that, you know, I, I think he's saving more points than maybe Blake is adding on offense, even though Blake is incredibly valuable, you know, and I, I honestly think the Clippers sometimes don't even use him enough. Yeah, I mean, I really think their offense should run through him in the playoffs way more than it does because I think that creates, it's one thing that, like, Chris Paul's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just said he's the best player in the series, <laughs> uh, unanimously. Yeah. Like, Chris Paul, doing stuff on a basketball court is really hard to deal with if you're an opponent. Chris Ball doing stuff off a catch mm-hmm. when the when the defense has been shifted away from Blake Griffin as he passes to Chris Ball on the catch, the fact that he can shoot, the fact that he can move the ball, the fact that he can attack a closeout, that makes them so deadly and I don't really understand why they don't, they don't do that more. He's a triple threat from 25 feet to the basket he's and there's so, not a lot of guys like yeah, that. That exists. So that's good. that's really hard to do. Rudy Gobert over his last 20 games, I'm just going to put this out, 17 and a half points, 13 rebounds, 3 blocks, 71% shooting. Wow. That's 71. Good. That's a that's, really high number. That's a high number. That's incredible. That's a passing grade. And if that's who he is, <laughs> I, I'll take him over Blake every day. If that's who he is with what he can do on the defensive he, side of the ball, that's... If he that's, can do that against DeAndre Jordan, I completely agree. It's insane. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, and, and you know he may or may not be able to, like you said, right. three out of the four games he struggled this year. So do we all agree then? Then two or three is Blake or Rudy. That's how I would go in this series. You'd go Rudy, or you go Blake then Rudy is yeah. number three. I have Blake as number three. I, me too. Um, and then Gordon Hayward number four. No is question. This, is this going to cause him to leave the Jazz? If he's us putting him fourth in the series. Yes. Is he listening, Gordon? If you're listening. That's the other two guys. <laughs> I actually worry about this a little bit when it comes to all uh, NBA. I think it was also you too, wasn't it? Uh, who's, who can say? I, don't I worry know. about that a little bit when it comes to all NBA teams. Honestly, yeah. that Rudy's going to make an all NBA team, and Gordon might. He's got. I think a Rudy's big, a lock. He's a lock. He's yeah. absolutely yeah. a lock. If he's not a first team guy, he's yeah. a lock for at least second team. I would say that would be where maybe this maybe a little bit of stress comes for the Jazz. That yeah, this is Rudy's team, but real, we we got to have Gordon as our star. We got a real KG Marbury situation yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, does. Gordon care about that? Does he want to be the number one guy? I don't think he. I doubt he cares about. Like, I doubt he has this rivalry with Rudy that yeah. is going to tear the team apart, right? But I think he wants to be thought of as the number one guy because I think he's competitive. This is a side note, but I thought his uh, Rudy's comments on Hoops Hype were really interesting this week. That said, you know, he was asked basically how how are you going to convince Gordon Hayward to stay here? And he's going to. He said, "I'm going to ask him, do you want to win a championship?" With Ooh, me? this is. Pretty close to Kobe asking Dwight Howard, will you let me teach you how to win? Yeah. Or I, did, I guess he didn't ask it. He said, let me teach you how to win. It was yeah. more of a command. A Kobe command. It was a Kobe command. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that from Rudy. Good. Yeah. Good love it, too. right? Yeah. Uh, five DeAndre? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Deand- over Paul, over uh, George Hill? DeAndre's actually really... like. There were a couple of years where Doc Rivers was over-inflating his impact and what he meant to that team. Mm. He is so good now. Like, I mean, obviously sucks at free throw shooting, right? Like just still an atrocious free throw. I think he's like 10 for his last 30 or something like that. Like he's really bad free throw shooting. He's a legitimate, great defender, dominates the boards, the best pick and roll big man this, this year, neck and neck with Rudy Gobert. I think he just finished ahead in in scoring efficiency over Rudy Gobert. Uh, And that's with, that's with the free throws factored in, right? So it's like, I mean, even putting him at the line doesn't, doesn't stop him from being the best pick and roll big man in the league. Like he is spectacular now. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm there too. Uh, I do think one of the more interesting subplots of the series is whether or not Quinn Snyder hacks DeAndre. Yeah, uh, given the free throws you just you mentioned. Got with it. Yeah, you, I, got, you right. got the bodies to you do DL, it. Right? You, yeah, you got enough bigs to do it. And the Jazz love playing slow tempo, right? You yeah. know, a lot of times teams don't want to do it because it messes. You, you can't play a transition style right. of game, right? The Jazz never run, right? right. <laughs> so it's not hurting anyone for them to be in these half court position possessions. They're always in half court possessions. Yeah, I agree. They're, if anyone's set up to do it, it's the Jazz. Uh, do you have Jordan fifth or sixth? I would put him right there with George Hill. And again, okay. it's a toss-up. And it's because George Hill's usage is going to be so high. He's yeah. going to be on the floor for 38 minutes a game. DeAndre Jordan will be as well, unless the Jazz decide to hack him and they feel like they have to take him off the floor for certain stretches there. And I don't think they will do that. I don't think they will take DeAndre Jordan off the floor because he's a good answer for Rudy Gobert and he makes Rudy work a lot harder. I, again, 5-6, it, it's pretty much a toss-up. I will say this, that I, I think probably if I have to take... Three of five to start it. If I'm, t- if I'm making a starting lineup, I probably have three Clippers in there. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say they probably have three of the five best players on the floor. So they've got that slide edge when it comes to actual sure. starting lineups. But Jazz have three of the top six players. So, no, yeah. I mean, George Hill is my number six. Is he yeah. your number six? 100%. Your number no six. Okay. And, I'm, and I'm huge on J.J. Redick, but I think George Hill is. I mean, George Hill, it's, I was thinking about this earlier today. Remember when 
they traded for him, and we were doing this radio show. And I think we talked to a couple of Pacers people, yeah, uh, and they were just like, "Man, this guy's great. You're gonna love it." And I was thinking at the time, I'm thinking like, "Yeah, George Hill's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's amazing yeah. on this team. He's yeah. so good." Yeah, but, uh, agreed. He's, uh, he's <laughs> awesome, like he, and he's gonna get you know twenty five million dollars a year this yep. summer, and it's not gonna be a bad contract. Like he's he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, JJ Redick seven yeah. is that right? JJ, I think he's really underrated. Yeah, I think I wrote about this a week or two ago. Um, he since joining the Clippers before he joined the Clippers, he was like a thirty nine and a half percent three point shooter for his career. That's great, like yeah. almost forty percent, fantastic. Since then, on over fifteen hundred attempts in four four seasons, uh, he's shooting forty four percent. He went from being sixty first all time in three point percentage to being fourteenth. Like he is a historic shooter yep. on this team. He and good team defender. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he, I think whatever he makes in free agency is is going to be completely deserved yep. too, given his his age, his shooting ability, his defense. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Smart basketball uh, people love him, and like casual fans hate him. Right. Which means like you know which side to be on there. Which at that point, like every yeah. general manager wishes yeah. they had JJ Redick, yeah. and everyone means, says a white mm-hmm. guy from Duke with right. these old tattoos. What? <laughs> but yeah, you love him now. Yeah. Uh, so you have him seven two. Yep. All right, so this is where it got tricky for me. Uh, which of the like weird role players I don't get agree better? With your, I don't agree with your next list. That's your that's, next five players. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Okay, so <laughs> I have yeah. Give us your next five guys. I have Joe Ingles eight, Joe Johnson nine, Rodney Hood ten, Derek Favors eleven. Before getting to Austin Rivers at twelve, who's hurt by the way? Who is yeah? Hurt? Who is right. hurt? So I, I'm not taking that into account. Okay, because um, yeah, mine would be. Hood, Johnson, Rivers, Ingles, Favors. And I'd probably okay. put Joe Johnson above all those guys. Okay. I think Joe Johnson probably comes in because he's a guy who can give you 17 points a game in the playoffs. When he's getting two nights of rest every night, like we've talked about, yeah. when he starts to shoot unbelievably well, he's going to get isolation possessions a lot, I think, in this series. I think he's going to have that opportunity. The Jazz are going to go to him in fourth quarters. They're not resting him anymore because what are you resting him for? Right. right. So he's going to be on the floor a lot, and he's going to have a huge impact on this. I think a bigger impact than Joe Ingles because he's been there. Not yeah. a ton of playoff series, but he's been there way more than Joe Ingles has, which is Zero. never. Yeah, and, and same with Rodney Hood. Uh, I, I say Joe Ingles because I think he's had the best season of any of the players I named. That's fair. Uh, and I think his shooting, I think he may end up starting. Uh, I think it makes sense to have him starting, yep. have his three-point shooting in that lineup, and then have Rodney Hood come off the bench, who's a little bit better of a scorer. Uh, and then... I think he's going to have maybe a bigger impact because because of more minutes. And, again, just consistent defensive versatility, yeah. which I don't know that the other guys have added. So a little stat about Rodney Hood. When he scores 15 points or more this year, the Jazz are 20-6. and six. Like if He, gets, he had similar yeah. numbers last year, too. Yeah, if he gets anything going, they – I mean, it's obviously a good team in the first place, but they are so right. dangerous. And then, all right, Austin Rivers isn't a joke anymore. Like he's no, actually he's good. a good really role good player. player. Yeah. Uh good defender. He's become a aside from free throw shooting, he's become a very solid offensive player. And he killed the Jazz this year. He did. In four games, uh the Jazz or the, the Clippers were minus three point one points per one hundred possessions when Rivers wasn't in the game. When he's in the game, plus eighteen. Kills the Jazz. Yeah. And I think that and the injury is a good point, so maybe he's not able to be a hundred percent. Um, if he can get to 100%, though, that's just a matchup that the Jazz do not win right now. He told Bill Orem of the Orange County Register that he'll be out for games one and game two, yep. targeting a game three and game four. Every yeah, time. that's uh, I mean that's huge for is, that's huge for the Jazz, the Jazz stealing stealing road games. So Andy, here's your top five Clippers players: Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, JJ Redick, and then Austin Rivers. Yeah, those are the top five guys you have for the Jazz. It's Rudy Gobert, Gordon Hayward, 
George Hill, Joe Ingles, Joe Johnson. Uh, you said Rodney Hood. Yeah. Whatever. Right. I, you know, at that point, th- those guys are pretty interchangeable. I'm, I'm with you that uh, that you could put Joe up there, and I'm I'm fine. Uh, those I, guys. Honestly, I think Rodney's probably the better player. I just don't think he's shown it right. this year and yeah. hasn't found the shooting consistency, and that that's a big deal. With the two Joes, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, Rodney Hood. Let's say those are in the Jazz top five guys. So because they're so interchangeable. Outside of the five guys I named for the Clippers and those guys I named for the Jazz, who can come in and change the series? Of these guys on your top 20 list, because that, that's really what matters. Yeah. Once you get down to 20, right. 19, I mean, Wesley Johnson, who cares? You know, I'm, no, no offense I to Wesley. Brandon Wesley Bass. I think, that, I think that should be the You're title right. of his biography. <laughs> Wesley Johnson, colon, who cares? It's very accurate. It's, and it's, it's a, a one-page book. To me, it's the top 14 guys. Sure, so, absolutely. You know, most Spates can change one of these games. Absolutely. See, I, I think Bamute should be ahead of Spates and ahead of Crawford. That they're yeah. the third most the third most used lineup in the NBA this year, and that's with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin each missing twenty games, was their starting lineup of Paul, Reddick, Bob Mute, Griffin, Jordan. And it is uh it is the second best lineup in the NBA in terms of net rating. Only the Warriors are better. Mm. And he's had a ton of success against Gordon Hayward this yeah, year. Yeah, and I mean he's just an awesome defender. He know he's a good like without being a a reliable shooter like he's okay in the corners but without being a reliable shooter he knows how to space the floor with cutting and movement like he's really good now one of the things the jazz did and this is had to be a part of the game plan was they attacked him they tried to yeah. get him in foul trouble early the Have last to, time huh? they played and they did yeah. they got two fouls in the first three minutes of the game i yeah. want to say he was out of that game really quickly uh jazz fans are afraid of jamal crawford and rightfully so he's sure. towards the jazz several times that's a guy who can come in and win you a game because he has a huge third quarter because yeah. he has a huge stretch when some of those starters are on the bench, and he'll hit three threes or whatever. Right. Goes yeah. crazy, has a four-point play, and changes the game altogether. His and in, play this season hasn't deserved to, to be higher on that list, I don't correct. think. Because I, don't know. He, I think he's been really good the last half of the season. Okay. I mean, his numbers are—this uh, is an amazing thing to say as a positive. His numbers are comparable to what Austin Rivers has done this year in terms of scoring <laughs> and efficiency and passing. Like, they are right there, yeah. except he's a better free-throw shooter than Austin Rivers. Now, obviously, not a defender in any way. Right. But I think— I think he's kind of regained some of that scoring ability, efficient scoring ability that he had six years ago. Okay. And did you see enough from Derek Favors last night to start he to looked, think that that's a guy who can win you a game or at least change a game? He looks good. I mean, I still don't know that I trust his body to be explosive and to be consistent, but he in in his time back since returning, it's only been it hasn't been that much time on the court. He does look a lot more explosive. And I've been really impressed with how he's moved and moved as part of a team concept, right? You know, a yeah. lot of guys the your first game back, you're not focused on using your athletic talents to uh stunt towards a, a shooter, you know, right. or to rotate and, and help the helper, so to speak. Derek Favors has done all of that in his, his cup, first couple of games back, and I yeah. you know that that's really impressive to see in my mind. I'm offended for Shelvin Mack that you have him below Brandon Bass. Yeah, that's fair. Brandon Bass and it's I real know, bad. I know Jazz fans really dislike Shelvin Mack and like using him as a scapegoat, but for he, no reason. He's so much better than Brandon Bass at this point in his career. Okay. Uh worse than Boris Dio? Um, Shelvin? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's so we're talking about the eighteen and nineteen. We're talking about fair. Brandon Bass. That's what we're that, talking yeah. about. That's the I don't care where he is on the list, just as long as he's above Brandon Bass. Shelvin is to me is is completely fits offensively, completely breaks the Jazz defensively. I agree with that. Yeah. No. 
But there's going to be four minutes every game that the Jazz are so reliant on Shelvin Mack. There's yeah. going to be four minutes when they absolutely need him to play, not mistake-free basketball, but to not lose a game. Right. And he has done that pretty well, actually. Even last night, I know it was late in the game, and again, he throws the lob to Jeff Withy, right. but he does have an ability to make some of these plays. He was good in the fourth quarter against Golden State. Yeah. Now, he was going up against Patrick McCaw. He was going up against some right. of these lesser players, right. but... He still plays well. He's pretty good in the two-man game. He knows how to finish when he gets to the rim, or at least he can show that. He's not he get, afraid to attack the rim, and yeah, I like that. Yeah, gets into the middle of the floor, and I I feel pretty confident in that floater. Like I think it's a good shot yeah, I do, him. too. He's over 50% for the year shooting it, yeah. so that you you have good reason to be confident. Right. Uh, if you if Howell Neto comes back from his ankle, do you play him You know, late in this series? I would still go Mac over him, okay. um, but I think, I think if Mac has like a minute of just – Horrific basketball, which he's capable of. Right, (laughs) (laughs) which he is capable of. I think you, I think you pull him immediately and go to and go to Neto. Yeah, and and or if you need energy, right? Like, I think he's probably a better chance to create some havoc, cause some deflections, try to get back into a game. Let's say. Um, Who do you think? Who do you think is the biggest instigator in this series? Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, no question. Yeah, I just, no I, doubt I just about love it. the whole thing with him yeah. and Pau Gasol. Last that night. was they the get a double foul fight ever. Yeah, I know it was so bad, but they get a double foul. Pau shoves him in the back, and the, and he just turns around and just yells, "Try it, mate! Try it, mate!" <laughs> yeah. Over and over, and it like it's just that's exactly what I want out of him. And it was instigating. I, I mean, I, yeah. watched, I went oh, yeah. back and watched the game again this morning. There is no reason for him to be doubly, double teaming Pau Gasol no. there on the weak side of the floor. Right. Pau Gasol's not even in position. I mean, he's just no. kind of doing the Pau Gasol tall guy <laughs> thing. Like Derek Favors is, I think it's Favors is in between him and the ball. There's no chance he's getting yeah. the ball. Joe Ingles is just like elbowing him in the back. I get what Pau Gasol did. I like that if I'm Joe Ingles or if I'm a Joe Ingles fan. I love it. And, and Pau got the tech. Like, <laughs> I got the tech right. It worked. It was genius. What they win by three, four points? That changes the game. Changed the game. I think Joe Johnson missed the tech. He did miss the tech. Right. But still, could have been but something. Pau Gasol was afraid to pick up his second tech, and then that changed, you know, that good, changed the tenor of the. He the wasn't losing up. that contract. Money. Zach, you've talked about Miami doing this with Spolstra, not revealing everything until you get into the playoffs. Can the Jazz do that at the point guard position with a Gordon Hayward? I mean, because oh. you can't play him for 48 minutes. Right. He's got to come off the floor at some point. But can you make sure that either George Hill or Gordon Hayward always has the ball starting the offense? So, could, I mean, I think you can if yeah. you want to juggle those minutes, but you also want to have those guys on the floor together as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that then you get into who is guarding Chris Paul, right? Right. I mean, I guess if you're if you're if you're sticking to George Hill has to be in when Chris, when Chris Paul is in, then I think it's a brilliant strategy because I do think Gordon can do a lot of that creating that you would want, especially you know if they're going against Jamal or Austin or you know even Bob Mute trying to defend the top of the offense as it's initiating. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I, I do too, and I think Quince also mentioned Joe Ingles as, as a guy who's played yeah. point guard this year, and and again. Uh, I think he could end up having some of those ball handling duties if the Jazz want to go away from having a point guard completely, which they've done at times this season. I mean, you can do an eight-man rotation without yeah. a backup point guard if you want. Over under three and a half made shots for Wes Johnson in this series. Oh, uh, under. Under. <laughs> three and a half for a three series? For a series. How many? Oh, he'll be late in a game. He'll be in a okay. game. That's oh, true. Maybe there's Garbage a yeah. All right, let's go six and a half. I'm still under. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> under three and a half. <laughs> 
This I, is where the Jazz, though, honestly, this is where they miss that versatile wing defender. Yeah. They can guard one, two, and three, where you can put Gordon Hayward at the one, and then he did, he guards his guy on defense, and then whoever that guy is can go and guard Chris Paul. And it's not Chris Johnson. I mean, Chris Johnson was just too much right. of a borderline NBA player who couldn't hit right. shots consistently. Ideally, it's Dante Exum, and he's just not that player this year. Yeah. The Jazz don't have that wing guy that's all energy, that's a good athlete that can do it. Yeah. How many missed shots do you think Wes Johnson has over the last month, or made shots? Over the last month? Over the last month. Can you tell me how many games he yeah, played? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, he played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'd say he made four shots. He made two. Whoa! <laughs> He's real bad. Yeah. Fourth pick. Headed to Marcus Cousins. Oof. Yeah. David Kahn, stand up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you guys had actually had non-Wesley Johnson points. Um. No, all I can no. think about is how bad Wes Johnson is. Okay, now. that's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's look at this list and figure figure out if we learned anything, and because who knows if we did. Uh, so we had the Clippers had through the top five players, uh, and four of the top seven. Then the Jazz had a little run there where they have probably the next four out of the five next yeah, guys. I had for sure. I had them having the next four. You guys had Austin Rivers in the middle. Yeah. You know, that's fine. I, I, I totally am fine with that. You've got the Jazz with seven of the top 11. That's a that's pretty decided. Yeah. Honestly, that's but, a big upgrade. But the, the Clippers do play that lineup, that starting lineup so much, and so I think they're more prepared to do a shorter rotation. I do wonder, unless there, if there aren't injuries in this series that, that really take out a player in the middle of it, does that depth pay off for the Jazz now? Or, do you ha- or does that short rotation matter more? You'd think, I, yeah, I think a short rotation is probably ideally better for the better for the playoffs, right? Right. Uh, that that being said, I think Doc could stand to maybe rotate some guys at times and stagger, right? Like, and sta- I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean. he apparently just figured that out like a week ago. So. <laughs> Props. Props to him. And yeah. for the most part, in the NBA, this is always true: quality over quantity. Yeah. Even in a trade, yeah, whether yeah. you're starting a starting yeah. lineup, whatever it is, quality over quantity. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we got we got more talk about the series coming up. Um, we want to talk about experience, the playoff experiences for both sides, the kind of up and down experiences for the Clippers, uh, Austin Rivers injury, how much that changes things, Quinn versus Doc Rivers, all that sort of stuff. Next on the Salt City Hoop Show, right here on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper with you guys. Uh want to get to your Twitter questions before we get to what we want to talk about. We've got a lot of questions, so keep them coming. At Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops, at Ben K. Fan are Twitter handles. Uh, Josh Patterson asked about the power forward rotation. Does Derek Favors start? Does Boris Diaw start? Does JJ come... JJ being Joe Johnson, first off the bench. Does DL play the spare minutes? What, you know, favors at backup center? What do you guys think happens at the backup, at the power forward spot? I might try Derek Favors early on to see if he can match up with Blake Griffin and just see if you can kind of match up some of the things that they do well. If that works in the first game, try it, but you're not going to close with it. So right. maybe then don't start with it because you're trying to get consistent minutes with the players you like, and that means Joe Johnson starts at the power forward. But what you can't afford to do is let Joe Johnson get in foul trouble because he's stuck guarding a guy like Blake Griffin and then not be able to play him because the Jazz are really in trouble if you can't play Joe Johnson significant minutes here, more so than Derek Favors. Right. I think I think you start Boris Dio and mm-hmm. and bring Joe Johnson as the first off the bench, uh, especially with the idea that you're starting Joe Ingles just because having that extra passing on the floor I think is huge. I think you want to match up Derek Favors against – most baits as much as possible because while most baits will hit jumpers at times, 
Derek Favors should dominate that matchup, right? Like that's that's not even close in terms of talent and, and potential impact. Uh, and then I, you know, we talked about those teams keeping stuff out of the regular season, really exploiting the playoffs. That Jazz lineup with Joe Johnson at the four and and Hood and Hayward and Hill and Gobert, it's like plus twenty five for one hundred possessions. Like it kills. It wasn't used all that much. It used like sixty three minutes in the regular season. Um, but I think that's the thing they've held back, and so that's the lineup you're closing with because. Yeah, someone either Joe or Gordon is going to have to defend Blake in those moments. Yep. But how do you? Do, I mean, that offense kills with that yep. lineup on the floor. Uh, Pete Busha asks on Twitter: Are less fouls called in the playoffs? Has it been measured? It seems like a more physical game favors the Clippers. Uh, I just looked it up, by the way, and according to NBA Stuffer, which tracks referee data, uh, generally about one to two more fouls per game is called. Uh, per playoff game than in the average regular season game. You know what my favorite matchup in the series is? The Clippers complaining to the officials <laughs> versus Jazz fans complaining about the Ooh. officials. I think that is the most tightly contested part of the series. I'm, I'm going to do my best. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you as an ignorant person, Andy, yeah. you, not you, me. Uh, is, one, <laughs> is one more foul per game significant? I don't think... I think it's... I, think it says less about the refereeing than it does about the style of play. Right. At least the belief is that the pace slows down in the playoffs. Yeah, that yeah. definitely happens. Yeah. Uh, so if I, the pace slows down and then a foul is up, okay, that does actually start to change things a little bit, and that could favor sure, the Jazz. There, there's a tipping point at some point. Yeah. Right? I also just think that there's a lot less shoulder shrugging on defense, right? You know, yeah. Instead of having a guy drive by you and you're like, well, he's going to get the layup, fine, whatever. We right. don't want to hurt anybody here. You want to hurt somebody, or you want to, <laughs> sure. you want to, you know, you want to, Playoff foul them. It, it, there's there's a reason that's a phrase. Yeah, and what will screw that up is what you mentioned earlier of whether or not the Jazz go to Hacker Jordan, right? Yeah. So that's going to throw all of that kind of analysis out the window because there could be an extra six fouls a game just trying to get him either out of the game or to ruin possessions. And to go back to the first question, which could end up kind of leading into the, the, the fouls called or not, just depending on how the Jazz play big, you will always have either Favors or Gobert on the floor. Right. Because you'll always have Favors playing the center behind Gobert. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see a lot of Jeff Withy unless it's a situation where he checks in with two minutes to go to start fouling. 100%, or before yeah. two minutes, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, we can't read that one. Who, Wu Hao Phelps, uh, who does lineup data and advanced stats say is better? Shelvin Mack or Dante Exum? Uh, I mean, all, basically all the plus minus data I've seen points to Dante after the last two months, the first two months of the season, it was all Shelvin. Right. Last four months of the season was all Dante. Dante's been pretty good as of late. Yeah. He's had a couple of stinkers, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. Yeah, the problem is his stinkers are really bad, and his good moments come largely, sometimes come out of the flow of the offense. Uh, And I think that frustrates the coaching staff more than it frustrates fans. Uh, But it's that's that's kind of why he doesn't get the minutes he he gets. And defenses play them somewhat similarly, not totally, but somewhat similarly, in that they will of the five guys on the floor, they will prefer to have either Shelvin or Dante shooting. Mm-hmm. Jazz fans, I would think you would want Shelvin shooting or at least dribbling more so than Dante. Yeah, maybe. yeah. I don't know. I there's like Dante seems oddly confident in his shot right now, which I think is <laughs> oddly well a good oddly word. oddly because I don't that know. Is odd. Why I don't do you know, keep shooting? I don't know that he should be, but he's not really hesitating it, which yeah, is agreed. a good sign agreed. of of things to come. I think. I mean, that could just end up being a disaster, especially in the playoffs. But I think like he seems a lot more confident on offense and. And I don't, I don't know. It's confusing me. Dante Exum, 29.5% three-point shooter. Shelvin Mack, 30.8% three-point shooter. Ooh. Numbers don't lie. Uh, Shelvin. 1%. Ooh. 
Yeah, that being said, Dante takes more of them. Uh, I, I think they're both pretty bad at three-point shooting. The difference is Dante doesn't have any sort of an in-between game, and Shelvin does. Right. I, that's that's the most intriguing thing about Dante, though, is when he does start attacking right. the basket off closeouts. Right. If, and he has, he does have to get all the way to the rim, though. Yeah, uh, 100%. He can't, yeah, yeah. he can't pull up. He can't. Right. He, he doesn't is. have that floater. Right. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. Who's got a higher free throw rate of those two? If you have it pulled up immediately, we don't yeah. need to get into that. It's uh, a little bit slow, but that's fine. So as we, far as a guy off the dribble, who 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 do you actually want there? Ooh, it's it's the same. Okay. I mean, uh, Dante Exum twenty point one percent, Shelvin Mack twenty point two. That is a okay. resounding. That's a very tie. Yeah, I would say that's a big big point one percent in Shelvin's favor. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Shelvin. I mean, I, just then just I think for that, I think that's no. I just think overall, <laughs> I, think the, I, I think I'd rather have Shelvin Mack on the floor. Period. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, unless you need Dante to lock somebody, not to lock somebody down, but I think we'll do a better job defensively against certain matchups. But yeah, but maybe that's where you need Dante the most is against a Jamal Crawford to try to prevent him from being hot. Yeah, I I think it was early. There was a early in the season, or I don't know. There was some point in Dante's career where he had a big play against Jamal Crawford. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in this preseason, actually. Right in the preseason. Okay, that's where it was. And I don't know that that's indicative of anything, but I. I don't think Shelvin Mack's making that play. No. Right? And I think against Jamal, you just need that rangy, quick defender who has good hands. Yeah, it's something to try at least. Yeah. Uh if you know, if you get in, in get in trouble, you need someone to defend a hot yeah, Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford. Right. Shelvin's not gonna get it done. I'm more afraid though that Dante Exum puts your team in the penalty seven minutes into the third or five minutes into the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, also a concern. And then you're dead because he right. commits two fouls on back to back plays because sometimes he has frustration fouls at times yeah. when you cannot have a frustration foul. Like it, yeah. it makes no he'll have yeah. three fouls in the first half and then he'll pick up his fourth foul thirty seconds into the third quarter. That was and the last saying, time the Jazz played the Clippers. I mean what happened? Like you can't get mad right. because you turn the ball over and foul. You need to think that through and I think Shelvin Mack thinks that through. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Dante does yet. Yeah. Uh, and our favorite Greek fan, Giorgio Spanias, yes. asks, with no injuries, Jazz was, was, were the Jazz a 60 plus win team? We need to stop Crawford. He is a Jazz killer from the bench. I don't think they're a 60 win team without injuries. I mean, I guess maybe completely healthy. I know the, the man games lost analysis said that they would have won nine more games had they been completely healthy. Everyone in the league loses somebody to injuries sure. at some point. Right. And if they were healthy all year, then we would have seen them rest guys instead, you know? So, uh, I, I think, 60 win, you know, nine more wins is, is a big, big ass. I feel like there was somebody here who talked about 55 wins a lot, and I think that's probably accurate. Yeah, 55 is fine. I think that's a minimum. <laughs> 50. Really? Right. Hey, when, when Hayward, Hill, Hood, and Gobert played in a game together this year, Jazz were 20 and 5. That's a 65 win pace. Seems sustainable, sustainable I, to me. Yeah. I, I'm not saying they're going to win 70 games next year. But, but you're they're not, not saying they're not. But I'm not, not saying that. <laughs> Uh, I don't think they're a 60 win team. I just don't no, think that. I don't think they not. have the superstar talent to be a 60 win team, and I think you need that. I don't think you have that top end talent to get there. Not yet. I mean, I, maybe Gordon takes you know a little bit more of a step. Rudy takes a little bit more of a step, and somebody, whether it's George Hill being healthy or Rodney Hood being consistent or Dante Exum becoming an X factor, whatever it is, like that's what that takes for next year. But not right now. I like your Dante Exum X factor pun. I don't know if that was on purpose, but I like it, it wasn't. But it always is. Uh, and then Alan Tucker at Legally Irish 7 says, How I have longed to hear Mr. Ben's silky pipes again. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, we got one more 40 seconds to go, so let's we'll sneak it in, yeah? From sure. Stephen Ronsley, minutes breakdown. We all know Hill, Hood, Ingles, Hayward, Favors, Johnson, Gobert get playing time. Who else and how many minutes are left? So that was the top seven in the Jazz's rotation. I think Boris Diaw gets some playing time. Yeah. Uh, I think Shelvin Mack, someone has to play back a point guard minutes, yep. and I think Shelvin probably gets those. Yeah. Uh, beyond that? I don't know. I mean, I think the important thing with Boris minutes is I think he's the most likely to get cheap fouls on Blake, right? Like he can trick Blake into some dumb fouls. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where his value. And I think that's why he'll get probably more minutes than maybe even he should, unless he can hit jumpers. I also just think he was excellent last night against the Spurs and has had a last really good couple of last weeks. Yeah. Uh, so if he can basically apply himself on defense and uh, not, and the Clippers won't leave him on offense such that it hurts everybody else, I think he's actually a pretty de- decent option. And really high basketball IQ. He yeah. knows everything that's going on in the court, and that's why it seems like, I mean, you've compared it to him playing jazz out there because it looks yeah. like he's making it up as he goes, but he just knows what's going on. Yeah. So he can do that. If Dante Exum try, tries to make it up or Trey Lyles tries to make Ooh. it up as he goes, and it's it's yeah. it's bad. It's a really bad thing. Yeah. It's okay if, if Boris Diaw does that, and I think sometimes it's fun to do that to mix things up, to throw a, a wrench yeah. into things, and I think... Uh, Coaches play who they trust, even yeah. if it's not the most talented player. They'll play guys they trust, and that's why I think Boris Diaw will get some minutes here. Yep. Also, he was playing mind games before the game last night. He Ooh. walked through those Spurs pregame warm-ups, was asking if guys wanted espressos, was talking coffee, huh. getting their minds off the game. Don't tell me that didn't have an impact. Espressos are a per- performance-enhancing drug, though. So like, if, if he's giving that to the other team... Or that's, is or does that get them so jittery yeah. that they can't control their emotions? Their game. Yeah, that's what I see in Boris Diaw's play for sure. Right. It's just so much jitteriness. Yeah, it's a lot of jitteriness. Well, he knows how to handle it. He's conditioned himself. Okay, yeah. this is a Princess Bride situation ah, where he is yeah. he is giving himself Iocane stability. Yeah. I think that was the the poison Iocane. Yeah, Iocane powder. Yeah. I actually watched this last weekend. I know, and you There's... stole the DVD apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. I haven't <laughs> given that back yet. Not mine. Uh. No, yeah. Anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk more about this playoff series. Uh, basically, talk about the things we were going to talk about before we answered all your questions and it ruined the show. Just kidding. We love you guys. Thanks. You know, and you can keep tweeting us during the show, right? Yeah. At Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops, at Ben K. Fan. Anyway, more playoff previews talk next on the Salty Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, quick promotional note for GlassesUSA.com. Uh, they sell glasses, eyeglasses, sunglasses, etc. We have a discount if you want to use it. I think you should. It's 55% off. That's a lot. Would uh, you rather pay full price or 45%? I think... 45% sounds good. That sounds good to me, too. Yeah. Uh, my Actually, the pair of glasses I bought the other day were then again stolen, so I have now ordered a <laughs> oh, no. second pair. I should really stop keeping my car unlocked is, is, is the lesson of this, this story. This seems like just bad planning on your part. Yeah, right? this this is on me. Yeah. But I pay for my stupidity here <laughs> at GlassesUSA.com. Promo code ALMIGHTY. A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. My dad just had uh, cataracts removed on one eye is going to have another the other eye have cataracts removed um and he will need new glasses because of it i got a promo code for him and he you know a guy he loves spending less on stuff than he should like he is (laughs) i wouldn't call him cheap he's quite he's aggressively frugal Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good good way to live very happy about this 
All right, let's talk about uh, more about this playoff series coming up. Again, Jazz play the Clippers Saturday night in Los Angeles, 8.30. I'll be there. I'm flying out there tomorrow afternoon. Uh, then we'll be there again for game two Tuesday, uh, also 8.30. Again, late games on the West Coast. Makes sense. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think the playoff experiences, both highs and lows for the Clippers, help or hurt them? You know, like, for example, two years ago, Clippers get beaten in a 3-1, when they have a 3-1 series advantage, lose, get blown out in a fourth quarter by the Rockets. And by Josh Smith. By Josh Smith, yeah. I mean, and like, Corey Brewer, those guys aren't good. And so, do you, like, do you look at them and say, well, that was just a massive fluke and you, you know, we deal with it? Or is it that they don't know how to win? I don't, I don't even know really how to, how to think about what the, what the Clippers are thinking about this playoff series, especially with all the offseason questions that they have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a tipping point with them in that there. Uh, JJ Redick has talked about this on his podcast of like there is this almost uh, like almost defeating feeling of man, this happened to us again. We have to go through an entire season again to get back to this point to prove this isn't us, right? Mm-hmm. And that and that I think like I think they're fine right now, but if stuff starts to go bad in Game One at home. The Jazz are up twenty. Like I think it, I think it would be crazy for them to not have that enter their mind. Yeah, I. I here it I goes think again. You're right. Here yeah, it goes yeah, again. Here feeling. it goes again. Exactly. I think by game three, it doesn't really matter. That as far as experience goes, and I look back at when the Jazz beat the Rockets in oh seven oh eight. The last time the Jazz, uh, well, no, it's not the last time the Jazz won a playoff series, but that year when they made it to the Western Conference Finals. The Jazz didn't have any playoff experience at that point. And once they got to Game 3 and they got back home, they realized once you get that first win or that opportunity to win, I think that the idea of experience kind of goes out the window a little bit. But there is a fear of these teams that feel like they're snake bit. And there's a fear for Chris Paul. Of, I know he's gotten out of the first round, but having never really advanced too far in the playoffs, it, it has to creep up. And also, what's waiting for them in the second round? The Warriors. Like, yeah, it's right. not like that. It, that's going to, at some point, that will factor in of like, all right. Well, everyone says we can't get past the second round. We haven't gotten past the second round with this this core, and you know maybe it breaks up this this time. Well, if we don't get past the Jazz, we're in trouble. But then even if we do, we've got the Warriors. Like I think all that stuff factors in. Yeah, and and the second round, you know, if you you're not going to win in the second round against the Warriors, no matter how much you want it, right? right. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just not going to matter. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things, I mean, we we talk about it in the regular season. The Kings will win games because they're too stupid to lose, right. and the Suns will win games because right. they're too stupid to lose. Maybe the Jazz have a little bit of that. Because Rudy Gobert is too stupid to lose or series that he's probably not good enough to win yet. Right. And Rudy Gobert is a good enough player to just say, well, why does it matter? What's the difference between yeah. the playoffs? What's the significance and difference? I'm just going to go out and play the way I play. and I'm not going to tighten up. I'm not going to seize up. And that can potentially will the Jazz to a victory. Yeah, I think he gets worn down. But I do think on the flip side of that, Chris Paul, I don't think it's rattled. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't. Like, he's going to take the shots. And whether they go in or not and you consider him clutch or not, like, he's not going to get rattled by those situations. Who is the guy handling the ball at the end of a tight game for the Jazz that you know will not get rattled? Maybe George Hill, maybe Gordon Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson, sure. Um, but like that is a significant advantage if these games are tight. Uh, is especially because he's Chris their best Paul. player. Yeah, he's and, their best player, and he like he's just so good. Yeah, and I'm not there with Gordon Hayward. I don't trust Gordon Hayward to not get rattled potentially in that spot late in the game, the first time he's in a playoff game when the yeah. Jazz need to win. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a knock on his character, or his ability to win or competitive. Like I just think there are experiences you have to go. And through. And he's also never been there. Yeah, and he's never been there, and and that will be a learning experience. He was there. Remember in the Spurs sweep, unfortunately, he shot like twenty eight percent. Right, yeah. he's got some of the worst stats <laughs> I've ever seen. 
Uh, and I think looking at that, he will come back better than that. But Chris Paul hit a series winner over Tim Duncan. Right. right. Okay, that's something Gordon Hayward's never done. I mean, he almost hit a half-court shot from Duke, and he hit a, a, a basket in high school to, to win a championship game, but he hasn't done it in the playoffs. Yeah. I also think this Jazz team is maybe more experienced up and down the roster than people give it credit for. I mean, people talk about George Hill, Boris Diaw, Joe Johnson, and those guys do have more playoff experience and just you know game experience. But I think like Joe Ingles, Dante Exum, Rudy Gobert, those guys have actually been in international competitions, knockout competitions, and I think yeah. you know like the Olympics, World Championships, and that sort of thing, and where these games are uh, elimination games, and you know so they they have that experience against tough matchups, um, France versus Spain two yeah. years right. ago. Right, exactly. I wonder though how much that translates to an NBA environment. Maybe, maybe not. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but I do wonder. I mean, I do. Everyone always says the play, NBA playoffs are just different than anything you go through. That was also Rudy's real coming out party, though. Was that was that game France yeah. Spain when, yeah, he, when he, he was, was playing Mark great. and he was playing against Powell and, and he came out and he played so well and everyone yeah. said, "Okay, this guy might be really for real." He stepped up when it mattered most. I would hope he does it again this playoff series. Yeah. I don't think you have to worry about Rudy like getting rattled in this game. It's just how much impact does he have at the end of a game on offense. Just in terms of having the energy left? Energy left or just have that role. I mean, that's the, you're not guaranteed to get the ball. Like Maybe he gets a big offensive rebound, but I don't think that's a rattling type of thing. Right. That's, that's really where uh, he's, he has the biggest impact on the end of games is getting – Offensive rebounds, putting him back. You know, he he doesn't get a ton of alley oops late because uh, teams kind of help right. over and switch more. Makes sense. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, Tony Jones is our guest on today's show. He's going to come in at the eight o'clock hour and talk to us about this Jazz playoff series. We're on the fl- same flight coming up uh, tomorrow, Ooh, so that'll be a controversy. good time. Yeah, <laughs> there will be controversy. All that. Uh, Tony Jones and more next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN seven hundred. Back to the analytics. Opinions, best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper, and now Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune, Utah Jazz beat writer, joins us on the show. We'll just go ahead and bring him in because we, we want to ask him some questions. Uh, Tony, how are you? I'm good, man. I was... It's, uh, it's an honor to be on this show with an such esteemed, such esteemed people. Well, you know that's 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 us for sure. Hey, we we have some questions for you. First of all, uh, who would win in a foot race between you and Joe Ingles? You know, you're just gonna start right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna dive right. You're just gonna dive right in. There's no wading in the water and everything. This, this, okay, I see how this is going. Um, I'm going to abstain. From, no, I'm going to win. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love the confidence. <laughs> Let's just forget this. I'm going to win, okay? Joe Ingles is an NBA player. You know, it could be Usain Bolt at this point. I'm just going to say I'm going <laughs> to Love it. <laughs> okay, you just you just got the confidence. You know, good for you. Uh, all right, so we both fly out to L.A. tomorrow uh, covering this Jazz Clippers playoff series. If you look at, we kind of looked at the top 10, top 20 list of these rosters, uh, and we kind of looked at who the best players are in this series. I wanted to ask you kind of what you think about that. First of all, who is the best player in the series? Who's the second best player in the series? Uh, who's the third best player in the series in, in your mind? Um, I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to, so we're going one, two, three. So, I'm actually, uh, I'm going to go one. I'm going to go Chris Paul. Um, I think 
playoff Chris Paul is is one of the best playoff performers, uh, short of a Western Conference Final or NBA Final, um, that this generation has seen. And uh, I think he's a top ten point guard of all time um, on both ends of the floor. And you know, I think that he's a guy that can win a series by himself. And I think he's the only guy in this series that can win a series by himself, um, unless. You know, two other guys prove otherwise. Um, number two, interesting, interesting. Um, number two, I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward. Number three, I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert. So that's 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 what. See, you bought me on this show for the hot takes. Here, they, here they come. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Wait a minute. What are your? But what do you? What, what, what were your answers? So we, I, I had Rudy Gobert two, uh, Blake Griffin three, Gordon Hayward four. I I had, I I had Blake second. Yeah, Blake second. Yeah. And I I would say here's what I would say. I I would say Blake I I would think, you know, there so there are five really really good players in this series, right? Right. Um so you can I mean, I think you can reasonably be them all in a hat and come out short of Chris Paul because Chris Paul is clear number 1. I think you can throw the other four in a hat and come out with four different four different answers every time. And I think the beauty of this series is all four of those guys are going to have a chance to claim that number two spot, claim that number three spot, claim that number four spot, claim that number five spot, if if that kind of makes sense. You know, I think, you know, Gordon Hayward for the Jazz to win has to really dominate his matchup, so he has a chance to do that. You know, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Jordan, you know, both of those guys, you know, whoever wins that matchup, it could actually tilt, you know, the balance of power in a series. And obviously there's Blake Griffin. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I just think, you know, with those four, those four guys, those five guys, I think there are five really, really, really good players in this series. And, and I think that that's what kind of makes this series, you know, really juicy to me. Tony, who starts at power forward for the Jazz? Um, I think in game one, I'm going to go with Boris. And I think, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think that that's going to be a fluid situation. Um, I think, you know, depending on how this series goes, you know, I think you can see either Boris starting there. I think you can see Derek Favors starting there. I think you can see Joe Johnson starting there. You know, depending on how the series goes, you know, what what adjustments need to be made uh, as the series progresses, what works and what doesn't. So I think, you know, with with Quinn, he has a lot of stuff at his disposal, and uh, I think that he's not going to be afraid to use it. Tony, who do you think will be end up being the more trustworthy backup point guard for the Jazz in this series? Is it going to be Dante or is it going to be uh, Sheldon? I think um, they're committed to uh, taking Dante off the ball and using him as a backup uh, shooting guard. And I think that if, I think at least initially, if, you know, Quinn decides to split those 96 minutes between, on the wings between Gordon, Rodney Hood, and, and Joe Ingles, I think that Dante Exum could actually be squeezed out of the rotation, at least in game one. And, you know, and then I think obviously, you know, the same thing with power forward. I think that stuff is fluid there. I do think Dante at some point in this series will get a shot 
Um, but I also think that there's a, a chance that Dante's uh, squeezed out of the the, the, immediate, the immediate rotation, uh, at least early in the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we got Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune joining us on the show. Uh, I wanted to ask, there's kind of the matchup that we see on the court, right? But what? how do you see the kind of the coaching matchup playing out of, of Quinn Snyder versus Doc Rivers? Yeah, I think that's fascinating because Doc Rivers has done it for years and years and years and years and years, and Quinn Snyder hasn't. You know, at least uh, at least at the at the playoff level. I mean, you know, and at least as a head coach. And obviously, Quinn, you know, he's learned under you know some of the best guys uh, in the world in terms of coaching. But now, you know, you know now it's like, hey, you know, coaching in the playoffs is drastically different than coaching in the regular season. And it's like one of those things where you kind of don't know what you're getting into unless um, until you actually get into it. So, you know, I, I think that that's, I think that that matchup is going to be fascinating because I think Quinn X is an O's wise and, 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 you know, adjustment wise, I think he's, you know, I think he's been one of the best this year. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I had him on my coach of the year ballot. So, you know, that's how much I thought of, of uh the job that he's done this season um but now it's you know it's a different uh it's a different realm it's a different arena because you know you're going into a seven game series now you have to you know make adjustments now you have to you have more time to scout and you have more time to look at film and you know so i I think it's going to be interesting and i also think that that's a a matchup uh that's going to be a really key a real key to uh, how the series goes. Tony, if the Jazz survived the Clippers, what, what what's the most likely scenario that occurred that got the Jazz the win in a, in a in a series? Is it Rudy playing at a high level? Is it Gordon taking the next step? Is it the Jazz just shooting lights out? Well, what would you think it would be? I think if the Jazz win this series, I think the most likely scenario that's conducive to the Jazz winning this series is the Jazz turn Chris Paul into a scorer. Um, I think if Chris Paul is averaging 25, 30 points a game in this series, I think the Jazz have a real chance to win it. And I think if Chris Paul is averaging 15 points and 14 assists a game in this series, then I think the Jazz are going to have a really, really tough time winning this series. So if that's the the one, you know, the difference is and the key is if, if Chris Paul, you know, as you guys know, he's such a great floor general that if he's, Averaging 14 assists a game, that means Blake Griffin is 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 going off. That means J.J. Redick is going off. That means, you know, Austin Rivers, whenever he comes back, uh, whether it be game three or four, game two, he's going off. That means Jamal Crawford is going off. And if Chris Paul is averaging 30, 30 points a game or tw- 25 points a game and five assists a, a game, then that means those other ancillary pieces – um, are not going off and, and are not hurting the Jazz. So I think that that's the, the way that the Jazz, that's the most likely avenue um, that the Jazz can win it. And, you know, coincidentally, you know, Utah's one win over the over the Clippers this year happened when Chris Paul really had a great scoring game. Tony, can you boil this series down to it simply being whoever wins the matchup between DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert probably ends up tipping the series? You know, I think on some levels you can, um, but I also think, you know, even if if Rudy Gobert wins that matchup, I think that I think that I'm I'm not sure that the Jazz 
can win this series without Gordon Hayward dominating Umba Mute and uh and dominating that small forward matchup. So I I really, really think that you know, who whomever's able to control patrol the paint and control the paint um more effectively between Rudy and, and DeAndre, um who, that team is gonna have a real chance to win the series. Um but for the Jazz, I mean I really think that Gordon Hayward has to Gordon has to show up and really play well in this series. I agree with you, Tony, that I think ultimately Rudy can win that matchup, and I think the Jazz can still lose just because there are you know, other things going on. You know, obviously, Chris, Blake, et cetera, on, uh, everywhere else on the floor. All right, uh, Tony, we got to let you go, but one one more thing. Are you excited for all the, the restaurants I'm going to take you to over the weekend? I am so excited because you, you know stuff and I don't. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just talking about, you know, I was just crying over the bistro last night. And you guys just like look at me, looked at me like really incredulously. Yeah, you you can't just uh, eat uh, at the hotel bistro no. when you've got all the other options and I'm telling in the you, world. If you're in LA, the only answer is Korean barbecue. Korean barbecue it's is incredible. Unreal. It's 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 much eat as much See, meat as you I've can have. Even, that's stuff I've never even heard of. Oh, you gotta oh, do it. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, gonna we're definitely gonna do have that. Have you never heard of Korea or barbecue? Tony? <laughs> <laughs> heard of those two like independent Separately. of each other but like not a, like a place where you can get Korean barbecue oh it's, it's the, really it's good it's incredible great stuff Tony alright thanks, thanks Tony guys, Jones man. appreciate you guys Tony Jones Salt Lake Tribune join us on the show um uh, yeah first of all Korean barbecue Stellar, the yeah. best. Uh, there was a cream barbecue place in Chagas, and it just closed down and it was real sad it's, uh, it's like 20 bucks and you get to eat as much as you can yeah it's it's an incredible value yes uh, I, I if there's a Korean barbecue restaurant that wants to sponsor us, yeah, you don't have to pay us. No, no, you just let me just... eat there once a once every two weeks. <laughs> yes, that that seems really reasonable. Uh, what do you guys think about Tony's take that Chris Paul, if he's a scorer, that's beneficial for the Jazz? I mean, the fear is that Chris Paul can actually go for twenty five and fifteen. Yeah. He doesn't have to be one of the right. other. Yeah. He can do both. But I, I'm with him. Okay. If he's I, trying to I, score, that means yeah, maybe Blake's not shooting, or yeah. maybe his shooters aren't getting open, and and that is beneficial for the Jazz because then you're trying to funnel him to Rudy Gobert, and that's okay. I also think that I think Chris Paul is a deliberate scorer, so I think you're probably slowing the pace down. Um, he's dribbling a lot in the clock that wears him down for later in the game, and and just it, it's kind of the same thing as when you're facing Steve Nash, when you're facing James Harden, when you're facing. You know, maybe not so much Steph Curry all the time, but like if you can kind of get them into those one-on-one modes, Kyrie Irving, like if you t- if you get them to have a singular focus, that's when you can really right. kind of take the team out of their game. What do you What do you do defensively to make that happen? Uh, don't I don't know. Guard him. Put Shelvin Mack, put <laughs> right, Shelvin like, Mack on him yeah, right. and, and say Shelvin thinks he can dominate you. I I don't see that going well. Probably like, not. All right, maybe, know, that, like, maybe that's not the way. But I I think you just you you know they're gonna run a lot of pick and roll, and I think. You show on it, or even you switch and you trust Rudy Gobert. Like Chris Paul loves going after big men, and and even if he like, let's say he torches Rudy Gobert in those matchups, you're still not having him pass the ball. And I think Rudy can take it. And so I just I think that's what you do. I think you switch on a lot of stuff, and you and you just take away those passing angles. Chris Paul's also a low energy scorer. 
yeah. where everybody else in that starting lineup, if they're scoring, that means Blake Griffin's getting dunks or they're in transition. DeAndre Jordan's getting dunks. They're hitting threes, and those are crowd juicers. I mean, that gets the team going. That gets the energy up. Chris Paul scoring probably doesn't do that as much because that right. means he's gone down, he's passed the ball, it's come back to him, and he's had to operate in isolation, which means he's used 18 seconds off a clock. And yeah. I think those things all benefit the Jazz. He's taking a lot of mid-range jumpers, and you know he's he's one of the best mid-range shooters, honestly, we've ever seen in yeah, basketball. Yeah, But it's yeah, it's probably still not their most efficient form of offense. Agreed. I uh, similar question that I asked Tony for you guys: uh, How you see the coaching matchup playing out in this series, Quinn Snyder versus Doc Rivers? I think Doc's struggled a lot the last couple of years in terms of matchups, in terms of rotations, in terms of certain substitutions that he needs to make or adjustments throughout the game. I don't think that means he can't do it, uh, but I don't know that – like it used to be a just an absolute rule that he was one of the top five coaches in the league, right? I mean, probably a lot of that had to do with Boston, but there there has been a difference of – there's so much good coaching in the league right now that I think Doc can't really rely on stuff he just thinks will go his way, whereas I think Quinn will be really active. And now maybe Quinn overthinks it to a certain degree, um, but I think Quinn with his coaching staff – like. They will have good game to game adjustments. If there's, is there a guy that he's going to over rely on Jamal? that could hurt him? And that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because he's seen Jamal have good games against the Jazz in the past. And yeah. he says, okay, he's getting 20 minutes when he needs to be getting 14. Right. And why are you giving him seven minutes where the Jazz are able to be plus four consistently? And that wins you a playoff series when these games are decided so close. That would be my fear. And I don't fear that at all from, from Quinn Snyder. In fact, it's the opposite with Quinn is he's going to pull a guy so quickly to kind of get back to his guys. And yeah. I, I don't think, I, I'm more worried about the, the, the substitution pattern and the mistakes that Doc would make than I am that, that Quinn would make a mistake that would cost the Jazz a series. Uh, X's and O's wise, do you think one of those coaches is better than the other? Uh, I mean, I you hear from a lot of people around the league that they're kind of amazed at how deep the the Jazz offensive playbook is. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it is one of the deepest you know in terms of just the volume of different types of plays they have in actions may have um, just come from you but i think you said or someone around the league said it's the second biggest second playbook biggest playbook right seen. um and i i think that i think that's a good thing i also think you can you can overdo it with that stuff whereas maybe quinn goes away from stuff that's working because he thinks something else will also take advantage of that whereas with the clippers they know we put these guys in a pick and roll yeah. That's just trouble, right. and and they have those handoff plays between Blake and and JJ Redick that are just so deadly. Where JJ Redick mm-hmm. shooting like forty seven percent on those handoff threes, or you know some something ridiculous like that. Like I think simplification can be a, a benefit to you. Well, do you remember when people were killing Scott Brooks for having too simple of a playbook late in games when he had Kevin Durant right. and Russell Westbrook? Like that was a mistake. Like, right. No, guys, yeah. I have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Right. Like the, that's the game. You've that's been fine. Greatest score of all time. Like I'll take like, that. That's okay. <laughs> right. When you're going deep or you have this deep playbook, it means you are a little bit gimmicky. It means you do have to do a couple of extra things because you don't have that that talent to go there. Because when the Jazz can go ISO Joe, they will go that four times in a row. Quinn Snyder doesn't have any problem if he has a guy who's going to win a matchup every single trip down the floor. Clippers have that, Jazz don't. Yeah, I agree. And here's the here's the thing about Doc relying too much on Jamal, who you know me, I love me some Jamal Crawford. Yeah, Jamal's career shooting. He's never had a postseason in which he shot over forty percent. Hmm. Uh, his wow. career field goal percentage in the playoffs is 37.9%. Career three-point percentage, it's 30.7%. I mean, he is awful in the playoffs. And I don't think that's a he-can't-handle-the-moment thing. I But I think that when he doesn't have it going, the Clippers still think, even when he's on the floor with Blake, on the floor with Chris Paul, they still think, oh, this guy can win a matchup here. 
and and you can go to that a little too much. I think there's something to be said for that style of player doesn't work as well in the playoffs. I'm I'm also thinking of Lou Williams' playoff sure. failures, yeah. which are noted and many. Yeah. And again, same kind of guy gets to the free throw line a lot, a lot of perimeter dribbling, a lot of you know one on one kind of right. matchups, uh, and. Yeah, for whatever reason, the efficiency goes way down in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, but he's played well against the Jazz. Again, he has. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah. So that's kind of the the catch twenty two there. He's right? only played twenty one minutes a game, which is low compared to the rest of his splits across the rest of the NBA. And he's averaging fifteen and a half points a game against the Jazz in twenty minutes. That's devastating. Yeah, that's a lot of points and not a very not a lot of time, and that's scary. Uh, he's shooting the ball pretty well. Fifty five percent from the floor is is very good. Thirty five percent from three is good. It's not unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so he's the type of guy you got to look out for, but he's the type of guy who can lose you a game as well as yeah. you can win it. Jamal, th- Jamal played 27 minutes a game two years ago when they went into the second round against Houston. In the playoffs, yeah. or in the okay, yeah, well. in the playoffs. That's too. That's too many minutes. Yeah, I completely agreed, especially at this age. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, some other off the court questions I had for you guys. Uh, home court advantage. Uh, obviously, how does either team have a home court advantage? Advantage, if that makes sense. I don't think so. Okay. I think I, that Clippers crowd is pretty weak. Okay. Most, I, I, like I don't think that's the Daryl still there. Or is uh, Daryl dead? Daryl's there. He is. Um, he's is he a game changer. I think he's still just trying to sell his own likeness, yeah. as opposed to just cheering for the team. Um, you know, I guess you have to worry about Frankie Munez or Billy Crystal. Uh, <laughs> sure. Those are all people that will show up to games. But uh, that Clippers crowd is known as kind of a weak environment. Now you could say LA nightlife. Maybe that mm, affects things. That, I think that's a legitimate concern at times. Yeah. Um, you would hope that in the playoffs that's not so much a concern. As with coming to Salt Lake, they'll have plenty of time to get acclimated to the, the you know, altitude. To, to the altitude. So I don't think that's a huge advantage by any means. Was the last time the Jazz played the Clippers in the playoffs during the L.A. riots? I mean, it may have been the early 90s series. Yeah. The Jazz played the Clippers. I mean, it may have been the... the because the Clippers have been really bad for so yeah. long, I don't remember the. I don't remember I don't, a lot of Jazz Clippers series. Not a lot of Clippers series. Period. period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so there's going to be less of a distraction from when that was going on. Uh, here's my I, what I like about the Jazz actually starting on the road is if you're here for the first time and the lights feel bright and you start to lose it at home, I think it could slip away really quickly. And you think, well, we lost our chance. We had the advantage, and that was our chance to win. We had to have home court, and as soon as that was gone, we don't stand a chance in the series. Mm. If the Jazz get blown out in Game 1, it's, it's okay. You were supposed to lose Game 1. Yeah. Like You're supposed yeah. to lose that road game. I think that's okay because then the Jazz can regroup and they can come back in Game 2. I'm actually okay with that. I think it, it suits the Jazz well, like it did in, the, in their series when they went and beat Houston. That That's exactly what I was going to yeah. bring up is the Jazz lost the first two games of that series and won the next two. And In fact, every game of that series was won by the home team until Game 7 right. where the Jazz came through on, on the road. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's how this is going to play out, but right. it... it I think there is something to be said for that confidence uh, of it's okay if we've lost the first two. And that was an interesting series. Sorry, Zach. Uh, Because the Jazz were close in every game on the road Mm -hmm. and just blowing out the Rockets at home. And you kind of felt like, okay, the Jazz are the better team here. They're just not playing well on the road. And then, yeah, they got to that game seven and and played really well. They kind of finally brought their, their home stuff on the road. I'm not as concerned with that on this team because Salt Lake isn't home for George Hill or Joe Johnson. Like it's not where they, you know, cut their teeth in the NBA. They mm-hmm. can go and win at Los Angeles. Yeah, and I think I think too that like, there is just a difference in mentality, right? Like if you're the home, you have home court advantage. Your mindset is we have to win the first two games at home. You don't give that yeah. up. If you're the road team, you go in thinking let's get a split, right? And that I, that's just a completely right. different mentality that I, that does benefit them to a certain degree, considering they don't have this experience. I don't think they, you know, if they it, let's say they had home court advantage and the Clippers come out and they beat them by 18 points in the first game. I think that really messes with their with the Jazz's head. That doesn't happen exactly. in this scenario. Yeah, exactly. 
we, we've seen the Jazz struggle in kind of big games this season, right? I yeah. think that's fair to say. Uh, does that help with that? Or, you know, is it still just a playoff game and obviously the biggest game of the year? You know, game one is going to be the biggest game of the Jazz this season to this point. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's good radio right there. But, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that that's just everything Everything before was fine, but this is a different animal. Okay. I also like the, what's the worst that could happen. I mean, other than injuries, but you lose game one. Worst that happens is you play game two. Well, right. I mean, that, that happens regardless. So that again, that's good for the Jazz being young and, and maybe too dumb to know anything else. I think that can be <laughs> beneficial for the Jazz. It being dumb in sports can help. Yep, a lot. Even as a writer. Yeah. Yeah. When do you use being dumb on, on the on the field you on can, the? You can make a real career out of being dumb on, uh, out of being dumb on. Uh, that's true. On some takes. We, we've seen we've seen that. We've seen all. We've seen it daily hot takes. Yeah. Yeah. Hot takes are the way to go. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. Um, on the other side, I want to look at a couple of the other playoff series real quick. Uh, just kind of see what are the biggest opportunities for some upsets. What are the most interesting first round matchups? So that's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson joining you. Uh, lovely interview with Tony Jones um, in last segment. So you can catch that as a part of our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, just look up the Salt City Hoop Show, uh, and you can find all the entire show uploaded, archived. If you even want to go through past episodes, you, you definitely can. Um, but for right now, we want to look at the other playoff series in the NBA. We spent the first hour and a half of the show talking about the Jazz Clippers, uh, but obviously there's seven other playoff series going on. We just kind of want to touch on them briefly, see what's what's interesting, what's not, and um, kind of I don't know, predict some winners or you know, let's see what's going on. Let's get some real predictions that we cannot back out of. Ooh, that, that's what I want. That's your style. Yeah, taking Warriors. Woo, <laughs> Warriors. Wow. Warriors in this first round? He's taking the Warriors to lose in the first round. That's crazy. Should we just go in order of when these are going to be when these games are going to be on so people are kind of watching sure. the games yeah. on yeah. Saturday? The first game is, is Pacers Cavaliers. Okay, let's do Pacers Cavaliers. So that's your 2 for 7 matchup after the the Cavs surprisingly lost the first seed. Um did not see the Jazz and Cavs ending up with the same record this season, by the way. That was no. that was a surprise. Well, I guess I did. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> of my early prediction. Um this Pacers team kind of seems to have gotten things together. Uh, Paul George has been great lately. Lance Stevenson might be a thing again, and mm-hmm. nice little late season addition for them. With that said, I think this team sucks. I'm I, with, <laughs> three years ago, I love this matchup. Yeah, it was, it was awesome two yeah. years ago. LeBron versus the Pacers was great. I think this team sucks, and I don't think they're built for playoff basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there. Uh, Cavs in five. I think Cavs sweep them. Cavs in four. That's fine. Yeah, Cavs obviously. Uh, it'll be interesting if they. Struggle in game one. I mean, the stuff with the Hawks that they've been doing is just ridiculous. Losing yeah. these games that the Cavs have been losing. Yeah. Then again, they are a, they they can flip the switch. I believe they absolutely can. This series has the most fallout of any series, one way or another. If for some reason the Cavs lose, major shakeup around LeBron. Yeah. If there's a sweep, you could see Paul George leaving Indiana. I mean, I could see them saying, you know what, th- that's who we are. Unfortunately, this is who we are. Getting rid of George Hill was a mistake. We probably should have kept him around, tried to resign him in the future. We gotta reshape this team and we think we can get something for Paul George. And they've really struggled to put a team around him. You know, I mean, since they went away from the Hibbert West yep. Hill Lance days, um, 
they just they wanted to play fast, and then Paul George didn't want to play the four, right? And so they tried to reconnect and try to reshape things, and they brought in a lot of veterans that don't match up and yep. don't make sense, and it's it's a problem. I don't think it will be a sweep because I haven't seen the Cavs put together four good games yep. in a very very it's long been a while time. or four good uh, quarters, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I even you know I agree there's a switch there. I think they might even turn it off if they go up two zero. Yeah. You know, like Here, here's the thing about that is I think I don't think the Cavs have to play. Very good defense. Yeah, I, I, I think it all their offense is so good, and it can overwhelm the Pacers so much that that's what I, I don't think the I don't think I expect the Cavs to look good in this series, but I, I expect them to be overwhelming. Raptors Bucks is the next game Ooh. Saturday five thirty. I guess three thirty here. Um, your three versus six. Uh, what, what do you see in that series? Uh, I mean, the two things for me are can can the Raptors keep Giannis out of the paint because if you if you can force him into being any kind of a jump shooter. Uh, or just keep him away from the basket, that takes a lot of his effectiveness away, mm-hmm. even as a playmaker. And uh, for the Raptors, is Kyle Lowry healthy? If yeah. Kyle Lowry's healthy, this should be a quick series. I, I agree. Uh, do you think P.J. Tucker starts matched up on Giannis? Um, yeah, I would. That's, like, uh, to me, that's a hard matchup for he's Giannis, so, actually. He's so strong that Giannis, you know, Giannis is so good at, at being – and he's Giannis is strong too, but Giannis is so good at being able to kind of – Turn his shoulder on you, and you don't. You're not able to recover. Well, yeah. PJ Tucker's a brick wall. Like you don't outmuscle him in any way. Uh, the Bucks are the team I trust the least of anyone in the playoffs right now because I've never seen it from them really. And Giannis is still kind of barely getting to this point. So. They start Thon Maker at center. Yeah, that's crazy. He averages per- four points purpose. and two rebounds. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't right. just go you out know what? there. His shooting percentages are good enough that I believe some, something will happen there. There, there is a thing there. I think he'll be a good player eventually. Uh, yeah, but it's eventually. It's, a, it's yeah, not now. It's a while. <laughs> but yeah. I don't trust the Bucks at all otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Spurs-Grizzlies, uh, 6 o'clock Saturday. That's, to me, I mean, Spurs have dominated and that series dominated all this series. regular season. I will say this. I don't think the Spurs backcourt's very good. I don't think the Spurs are quite as good as everyone's making them out to be. And, and it is it is harder to deal with them on random nights in the regular season than to game plan for them. So I think Mike Conley can take advantage of a lot there. Right. I just don't think... I don't think the Grizzlies have enough firepower to do what you like. You know, granted, it's an end of the season game, but what the Jazz were able to do for most of that game the other night, like I don't, I don't really think that the Grizzlies are capable of doing that consistently. And but if they had any hope, the Grizzlies they needed Tony Allen. He's out indefinitely with yeah. the strap cane, uh, calf strain. Calf. That's that's the big also that's a strap big game. Uh, that's <laughs> that's gonna hurt them because you need that tough guy and big they don't time. have it. Yeah, agreed. And then you know, Jazz. Uh, wraps up the Saturday schedule, ten thirty. Jazz Clippers. Uh, Sunday. What's what's the first game? I haven't looked yet. Uh, uh, Sunday, a oh, Hawks Wizards. Hawks 11 Wizards. Ooh. Uh, so that's that's your four or five matchup. Uh, I like Washington in that. Just I I think the Hawks are sh- shrewder. I don't really know that I trust in a playoff series. Uh, I I love me some Paul Millsap, but I just think John Wall's probably gonna take the and Brad John Wall Bradley Beal yep. is a legitimately tough matchup. Yeah, I he's mean, been playing great. Yeah, he's 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 really good. You know, All NBA worthy. I don't think he'll make it, but he's he's been good enough to to be considered. Uh, other than Paul Millsap, what is a matchup you feel good about yeah, in that exactly. series for the Hawks? Exactly. I don't even feel that good. Like yeah. I think I think people are too hard on Dwight Howard, but do you think he's going to be but, way more effective than Marcin Gortat is? I don't know. I no. don't know. His best basketball he's ever played those in the playoffs. You have to yeah. tip his cap. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he, for, for sure. some reason, he shows up in the playoffs. Like, yeah. I don't know if he cares. He has a switch. Maybe he doesn't care anymore, but he right. has traditionally played pretty well That's in the playoffs. That's a great point. Yeah. So uh, I could maybe see something there. Warriors-Blazers is your uh, 3.30, or I guess 1.30 game here, Mountain Time. I think there's a chance that the, the Warriors 
don't take the Blazers seriously in one of these games, probably right. in Portland, and Dame and McCollum go off. There could be a 135 to 127 right. victory right. for the Blazers, which I want to watch that game. Oh, yeah. That might be the only part of that series I want to watch, and it's over in five. Yeah, this series was really fun last year, right? I mean, with kind of a recovering staff right. plus Dame and, and CJ going off, kind of their, I, I, I wouldn't say a coming out party, maybe for CJ McCollum it was. Uh, and just, yeah, high scoring battles up and down the court. I don't think that the Blazers have enough inside that they're going to really scare the Warriors in any sense. Uh, what's the latest on Nurkic? I mean, is, it, is I there think any chance he's going to be back? I mean, maybe at some point in the series, but I don't think for game one, no. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that would make some difference, but again, I think the Warriors can handle a Nurkic level big. Sure. Who's good, but not yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I just don't see anything. Super interesting there. Uh, game five, the Oracle Arena has Chance the Rapper booked. Sure. So they need they to get got it over they got, a, they got a sweep. Because no one sure. wants to lose that on Chance. <laughs> no. They certainly can't move that that concert. No. 4.30 game. I'm a Jazz fan. I'm watching this game for a lot of reasons. Mm. Bulls, Celtics. Because A, the Celtics are the number one destination for Hayward. I would keep an eye on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's the type of guy, if he can push the Celtics single-handedly to six games or seven games, maybe the Celtics in the offseason say, one in the hands, we're two in the bush. I mean, we would rather just get Jimmy Butler, and we will trade you. Let's say they don't end up with the number one pick, and it's Markel Foles. Let's say they fall back to three or four. And they say, you know what, we're going to get a small forward at three or four, or Josh Jackson, and we'd rather just have Jimmy Butler and know that he's going to be a star and he's good. We'll trade them that player. Then Gordon Hayward doesn't matter to the Celtics anymore. I'm watching this series because I think there's a couple of interesting things. Or if the Celtics are just bad, maybe Hayward loses a little bit of that interest yeah. that, hey, this is where I want to go play. Yeah, if they, you know, if they lose this series, if you lose a 1-8 matchup, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden Boston becomes a lot less interesting as a free agent spot. I think this is a high upset potential. Yeah. I think this Bulls team is terrible. That's what's weird about it. But <laughs> they're great on TNT. Yeah. Which I think a lot of these games are going to be on TNT. Three of the first four. They sweep Woo! the Cavs this year, right? Sweep I mean, the Cavs and if, Here's the problem, is how do you get this game to be close late, right? Right. Like, that's their issue. But if they do, you put Jimmy Butler on Isaiah Thomas. What do the Celtics yeah. do? They yeah. have no answer for that. Their hope is Isaiah Thomas doesn't keep shooting 37% in playoff games, which is what his in 10 games, and whether that's fair or not to judge him on that, but 10 games, he shoots 37% for his playoff career. Mm-hmm. And if you put Jimmy Butler on him at the end of games, I don't know what they do. You're gonna run that series through. You're gonna run that series throughout Horford. No, Avery Bradley. No, Marcus Smart. Good luck. We talk about being dumb in the playoffs. Fred Hoiberg's dumb. Fred Hoiberg's <laughs> super dumb. <laughs> He's dumb really guy. dumb. Yeah. Is it is it helpful for a coach to be dumb in the playoffs? Probably I feel, not. I don't think that's I feel what like we were Vinny Del Negro really struggled sure. with that, and that didn't yeah. benefit him a whole lot in his career. That's the thing. Is, that's this is the biggest coaching discrepancy yeah. anywhere yeah. in right. the playoffs here. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's almost worth like. Two wins in the series, <laughs> two right? Wins like in a playoff <laughs> I series. Think, I think if I'm Fred Hoiberg, what I say is, look, guys, no one's expecting anything out of us anyway. If you guys win this series, that will show management there is potential in this group. That means they're going to go look for a better coach, mm. and I'm going to get fired. Yeah. And that this isn't going to save my job if if we if we win, it's going to cost me my job. You guys want me out of here? Go win a game. Inspiring stuff. It's, that's what it, it's you know. Win one for the Gipper, except you know you don't want the Gipper to be around <laughs> yeah, anymore. Yeah, like you don't Gipper want the Gipper to die, to die right? Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, I love this next series because it's the MVPs battling Thunder yeah. Rockets. Thunder There's a Rockets reason is... why they turn this on at seven o'clock on Sunday night. They understand primetime television. This is great basketball. It, this will decide the MVP. 
like not from a voting standpoint, sure. but this is a David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon situation, sure. right? Where whoever wins this series, the public in general will go out saying that guy should be MVP. And if he doesn't win it, we'll look back during that award show and go, James Harden destroyed Russell Westbrook in the series. Why isn't he the MVP? That is the type of public opinion series that this will be. Is is there like any way that like the Rockets can win in seven, but Westbrook averages a 50, 15, and 15 and still gets it in the public eye? He the, will average 40, yeah, right. 10, and 10. Right, exactly. He yeah. will average 40, I, yeah, 10, and 10. There's no question about that. And I think there's the chance that, yeah, they get to six games and that's the case. I I. I don't totally believe in the Rockets because I don't believe in Mike D'Antoni. I don't believe he can change his rock. I don't think he can make changes if he has to. He can't adjust his team to beat the Thunder if they're able to do something. And yeah. Billy Donovan's a good coach. He is a good coach. Yeah. So and maybe he was, he's able to do a couple of things I that hurt the Rockets. Incredibly impressed with how good Billy Donovan was in the playoffs after I thought was a pretty iffy regular season. Absolutely. Last year. I mean, look who he, he went up against. Pop. He went up against yep. Curry. He held his own. He was very good game to game. He was very good in game management. They were up three one. Yeah, they were three one last they year. Were Clay Thompson hitting half court shots in in yeah. the flow of the offense away from being in the finals. I mean, they were they were really good. I think the thing I, I'm kind of with you. Like I, this Rockets team hasn't defended in a month and a half. And I think their defense is just going to be super shaky going into this series. And Robertson for the Thunder, he can guard James Harden straight up. We talked about the whole Chris Paul thing, Steve Nat. If you take away the passing and turn James Harden into just a scorer, the Rockets don't really know what to do. Yeah. Here's what I'd prefer to see in this series. I'd prefer to see the Thunder win just because I like the Thunder more than I like the Rockets right now. My f- what I have seen, though, is I've seen Russ go for 40-10-10 and 10, and the Thunder lose all year. And that's yeah. why they're close to a 500 team. I've seen James Harden two years ago make it to the Western Conference Finals because of yeah. James Harden. Yeah. And I, I think that could be the case again this and year. And also, there's a math problem, right? Like, the Rockets are going to take a ton of threes, and they're going to make threes, and Thunder can't really shoot. Yep. Yeah, that, that to me is the biggest difference in the series. Is this the biggest upset potential series, or is it Jazz Clippers, or is it... Not both Celtics. Both I, think Celtics. Actually, I think there's something there. Something so, dumb it, is going to happen. Most, like, it's that's more likely one. that the Bulls yeah. beat the Celtics than, uh, say, the Hawks beat the Wizards. I don't know that it's an upset, though. I don't know that 4-5 yeah. okay, doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, what's the least interesting series? I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but probably... Uh, no, it's the Whatever the Hawks are playing in is the least interesting, but in the West, like it is probably Spurs-Grizzlies. Like yeah. That's destined for NBA TV. Bucks-Raptors doesn't do much for me, to be honest with yeah, you. I, Kyle Lowry's fun. Giannis is fun. There's not a ton if I'm a casual NBA fan beyond that. And you know what? If I'm a casual NBA fan, am I tuning in to watch Kyle Lowry? No, and, no, and he's like, the fifth best point guard. He's great. Yeah, but he's the fifth or sixth best point guard. Even in the playoffs, he's the fifth or sixth best. Yeah. And historically, like the Raptors just don't draw ratings in this country. Right, they don't for whatever reason. Like unless Vince Carter's involved, they don't. I don't. You know, that's a good team and they play fun. But Vince Carter's involved it. in the Spurs Grizzlies series, and you guys just poo pooed it. Yeah. If he's dunking on people again, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Uh, none of the Spurs Grizzlies games, by the way, are on NBA TV, or at least none of the first four. They're, they will uh, be that flexed. is not true for. <laughs> they will be flexed. I guarantee it. That is not true for the Hawks series, and is definitely not true for Raptors Bucks, which has three games on NBA Nobody TV. Nobody wants to watch this Hawks. Thing. Pacers Caps could be terrible too, that, because that could, could be, be a four-game, yeah. eighty-point spread by yeah. the end of the. You really need LeBron series. versus Paul George to be a thing like it was. Yep. Yeah, it, they need to for entertainment value. They need yeah. to be matched up against for each sure. Other. All right, we've got one more segment left in the Salt City Hoop Show. We're going to give our series predictions for the one series we didn't mention this this segment, Jazz versus Clips. Ooh. Who's going to win? How many games? 
Is it going to be an upset? Which, I guess it's 4 or 5. We decided that's not an <laughs> right. upset. But is it going to be a is, result? Is it going to be? Tune in to find <laughs> out. <laughs> Will we have basketball games? Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, anyway, our predictions next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. Uh, before we give our final playoff predictions, let's talk about the regular season that was, just for a second. I mean, 82 games, 51 win season for the Utah Jazz. Um, what surprised you about this year? What what went well? What didn't? Um, I'll start with you, Ben. Rudy Gobert is better than I ever expected him to be. He's better than anyone ever expected him to be because he was drafted 27th overall. He is so unreal how good he is. I mean, he... He might enter the year next year, I think, as a top-ten player. I mean, I really think he's getting to that point. He's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every year for the next five years. He's an All-NBA first-team candidate, second-team almost lock. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that from Rudy three years ago because he was playing behind Jeremy Evans. Even last year, he I think he kind of regressed from in his third year at, compared to the last half of his second year, right? Uh, and then this year he exploded and, and has continued to got—he's gotten better— Throughout the year, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. his March and April are absolutely better than his November and December. Um, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I I thought he sucked his first year and a half. Like, and I wasn't even really all that sold on his his second half of uh, the second half of his second year because it just seemed so random to right. me. Um, really didn't think he could play. And then seeing him last year, like, oh, like, I agree. He did regress from that from that really good stretch after Cantor was traded. But like, saw him last year, like, wow, this guy is actually pretty good, and he's a fantastic shot blocker, or rim protector. Um, good for him. Like maybe, maybe he can be a defensive player of the candidate, defensive player of the year candidate someday, but not like next year, and not become an offensive force yep, that he's right. become. I he's mean, a force. He so can, it's a good word. Like going, the ability to catch passes, especially in tight spaces, from last year to this year is it's unreal how much it's changed. Yeah, and he's got smart. I would say footwork. very good hands. He's got great hands. He's got smart feet. He doesn't have. He's not Hakeem. Right. He doesn't have great feet, right. but he has smart feet. He doesn't yeah. waste steps right now, which is yeah. good. That's a that's way more than you can say for a right. lot of guys. He'll take one step and cut through traffic and get to a spot because one step for him will take him four feet, which is almost across the entire lane, and then he rises and dunks. Right. Yeah. Anything else? Just fifty I, wins. It's great. Yeah. It's like great win for the Jazz. Underperformed <laughs> in my mind. Should have been a fifty-five, fifty-six win team. It's fair. Yeah. I, and I, don't tell me the injuries. I, this team underperformed. <laughs> okay. All year. Who's who's to blame? Uh. Gordon, okay. Prove to us next. <laughs> prove to us the next four years. This is a sixty-win team. Ah, that's what I say. I that, think this team has challenge? more surprises than good surprises than bad surprises. I yeah. think Joe Ingles was a good surprise. Mm-hmm. George Hill, when he was healthy, unfortunately, he wasn't healthy enough. But when he was on the floor, like you guys said, you were talking about it when he got traded to the Jazz. You thought, oh, that's a good move. Yeah. It's like, oh man, you for Torian Prince, that's an unbelievable <laughs> right. move. Yeah. You make that move every time, especially if you can resign him. Unfortunately, Trey Lyles was bad. Dante Exum's. Yeah. Well, he had a rehab year. At least right. I, you, I think if you're a Jazz fan, you hope that was a rehab year and comes back next season playing much better. Yeah, uh, Alec Burks, I think, was, it's fair to say, disappointed in, uh, in his return. Joe Ingles, nice. I mean, he we knew yeah, he was great. a solid player. He was great this great. year. Yeah, and uh, again, a guy who you thought was probably out of the rotation, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, you, you bring in Joe Johnson and, and uh, you... you I, 
probably expect to play Alec Burks more minutes than you do. I, I didn't think Joe Ingles was going to play a big role in this team, and he's again, I think he's going to start game one. He's going to get himself fifty million dollars yeah, exactly. this summer. What, what did yeah. he sign two years ago? He signed a two-year, four million, six Ooh, million yep. dollar deal with the Jazz. Yep, and he's going to sign a four-year, fifty million dollar, fifty-four million dollar deal. Yeah. Good for him. Absolutely. Yes. Get that cheddar. That's what I say. I don't care <laughs> if you're good or bad. Go get money. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think Rudy Gobert is the story of the season yep. because his, you know, he's he, he could be the story of the decade for the Jazz, right? Because he he might be the guy they build around. Yeah, and you know, especially with him being locked up too, I think that's right. a brilliant contract. First of all, for, yep. you know, for the Jazz to be keeping him for the next four years, you all should go out and buy Rudy Gobert jerseys. Sure, if you haven't, just... and then get to to get emotional off the floor is the jazz sticking around in utah for the next 30 years is the most significant thing that's that's happened in sports i mean that's nobody does that she turned her back on a billion dollars it's it's crazy and jonah carey came to talk to gail about that let's check out that podcast if if you haven't had a chance because it it is really good and jonah's great all right playoff prediction uh zach i'll start with you this time because the jazz clippers Clippers, jazz clippers Uh, you know, our friend Andrew Hahn has really been in my head about this with his confidence in the Clippers, and he thinks it's going to be a competitive but short series in the Clippers' favor. I think he's got Clippers in five. Mm-hmm. And it really messed with me, but I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going Jazz in six. Wow. Okay. I, th- I think the Jazz win the series. Uh, I'm worried about the turnovers, but other than that, I think they. I just think they've got a great thing going. Absolutely the Jazz can win. I don't see anything that says the Jazz should win. No home court advantage. No experience. Not the best players on the floor. Nothing there says the Jazz should win this. They can. I won't be stunned if they do, but I'm going to pick the Clips. Yeah, I I think they have to play at their best, and I think there are a lot of things that could go wrong during the series. uh, And ultimately, yeah, I I think the Clippers, like you say, have the experience. Um, I, I think, yeah, just have the talent. I think there, we're going to see some wrinkles that, uh, the Jazz just have problems defending, whether that be JJ Redick threes, whether that be small guard scoring on them as they have all year. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a problematic matchup for the Jazz, and I think we've seen that in their regular season matchups. Um, with the I, blind spot being that the Jazz haven't been healthy when they played them. And we've right. never seen this Jazz team really healthy with a rotation. It's been so, you're healthy for two games and then someone yeah. goes out. Like, if yeah. you have seven straight games or six straight games where this team is healthy and they can play the rotation that they want, which we just haven't seen, then maybe there is that blind spot that the Jazz are great and we just haven't seen it yet. Right. And, you know, that's possible. And then I'll, I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be wrong. Sure. I'm not at the Andrew Hahn space where I think it's, it's going to be quick. I think this is going to be a physical, long, tough playoff series. Um, but ultimately, to me, it comes down to Clippers are probably the favorites, and, and rightfully so for what they've done against the Jazz this year. I'm going to Clippers in six, which I know usually you take the better team to win yeah. in, on their home floor. Uh, that being said, the Jazz haven't been incredible on their home floor this season, and Clippers in five seems too soon. Clippers in seven, I don't think, gives the Clippers enough credit. I agree with that. I think interesting thing about what Ben just said about the Jazz, he essentially just said, he just, like, they're just a kid from Akron, the Jazz. And that they're not supposed to be here, they're not supposed to win. Who just won a championship? The yep. kid from Akron. Mm-hmm. Jazz championship. No, that's extreme. But I do think the Jazz have a great shot at winning this series and because the Clippers do Clipper themselves. They absolutely they can. Do. And yeah. yeah, the Jazz playing the Clippers in a one-off is weird. Yeah. Playing them seven nights in a row, potentially, or seven games in a row, does give you some advantages to adjust what they do because they do something the Jazz don't want to do. Right. Uh, on the other hand, I think the Jazz, I think the Jazz have a higher chance of being outscouted in the series, if that makes sense, because so much of what they do is not trickery, but it's it's play calling and execution and those sort of things. So much of what the Clippers do is just talent and execution. You yeah. know, it's, it's just Chris Paul making shots. Ironically, and, and, they play Jazz. Ah. Yeah. 
So I, I think it's it maybe, you know, we've, we've seen them kind of game plan the Jazz offense out of their scheme at times. Uh, that may happen in a couple games this series. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good to me. Who wins the championship? Uh, Warriors. Warriors. Right? No? Jazz! <laughs> ah, I, I don't like believe it. that. Warriors. And All right. The, uh, enjoy California. Will do. All right, that's our show. I had I gotta go pack for California tomorrow. Sure. Um, as always, you can listen to the show as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Just look up Salt City Hoops Radio. If you missed our interview with Tony Jones or any other part of this Jazz playoff preview, uh, look us up online on the archive. Check us out at saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Ben Anderson, Zach Harper, Andy Larson signing out on ESPN 700.